With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Don't know if you noticed, but we've posted two very different pieces for us on YouTube this week. On Tuesday, we had a super piece where neither one of us was ever seen on camera. And actually, <laughs> right, very right. little was ever seen on camera other than that Supra in a downtown area. That was kind of a fun right, that we right, did. Right. And then we also just did a new piece on our big, crazy sedans. Mm-hmm. It's called Weird and Broken because we are talking. We're not even driving them. Because they're weird and broken. through the stuff about them that is both weird and broken. And many of you have enjoyed those pieces. Thank you for the comments. We're excited to have much more content about those sedans coming up. Plus, we have still... Two videos a week is happening for the next few weeks anyway. So we're very excited about that. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And we're shooting Season 7. Yeah. And we're editing Season 7. And we're back for the podcast. So thanks for being with us. Stuff is happening. I'm kind of excited to have a backlog in a weird way because it just means we can get more content out. And I think you guys are noticing on YouTube. As a matter of fact, people have commented and said, hey, guys, I'm glad. It seems like the good old days, you know, when we were really focused on YouTube. But but we've never done two pieces a week. I mean, I, I saw that comment about the good old days. We've never done two pieces a week except for this time of a few yeah, weeks I guess ago we when we started. Haven't. We, we did, it's never been two we did weekly week. for a while. We've never done more than a piece a week. For many people, that results in lots and lots of views and money. For us, it's just more content for you guys and thank right. you for watching. So we're right. very excited to have it out there. There's a lot more stuff coming. We also noticed that some of these fast blasts, just based on schedule, the end of last year, which was nuts. Some of these fast blasts were recorded last fall before it started snowing and recorded in like a minute and a half because we were so busy we were out of time. So we keep looking at some of them going, <laughs> I wish I had more footage there. But what's nice is we've been doing a lot more fast blasts of late, and they've got really good coverage. The production value is almost to TV stuff now, which is very cool. So there's lots of good stuff coming, lots of stuff. Well, speaking of TV, massive thanks to our TV sponsors. Covercraft Industries is our headline sponsor for Season 6, so thanks to Covercraft, Griot's Garage Car Care, which I have said before, it is the best stuff. There's there's nothing better you you can buy. I I do agree with you, actually. And also Haggerty Insurance, their Drivers Club, and Mm MotorsportReg.com. So thanks to Haggerty as well for being in all three of these companies for TV Season 6. Pilgrimage 2020. Yep. Coming at us. It's going to be in August. August 2 through 6, 2020. I think you and I are going. I'm not sure who's going with us. We've got a few people going with us. I'm so excited. Yep. Just thinking about it right now is so refreshing, Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to go. So the information is on everydaydriver.com. You can go right to the middle tab, which is called Adventures, and get all the information there. If you're lurking, if you're you know thinking about how do I figure out how to get all the money, you've got time. So Mm -hmm. go look at all the information. There's a lot of frequently asked questions that hopefully will answer your questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've got more, please send us an email. We're setting up a lot of stuff for the back half of the year. We're very excited about it. On this podcast, we are doing two car debates and many, many, many questions. What number of podcasts is this? 492. 492. We are rocketing our way toward 500, which will be another live stream podcast with a lot of questions from all you guys. We're excited about that. But on this podcast, we have Nathan in Wisconsin who wants to stop buying cop cars. I love that title. (laughs) That's just awesome, Nathan. And also go writing to us from Japan. He wants a car for his wife. And to her, all cars are the same. So that'll be interesting to unpack. I, I'm still kind of trying to figure that one out. Lots of really good stuff, though. All right. So let's dive into Nathan's debate. As Todd said, he's up in Wisconsin, and he comes from a car enthusiast family. His brother has a 911 and a Macan, okay. but his dad has English taste, a lot okay. like you, Todd. Yes. He's got a Triumph Stag, an XJS Jaguar, XK Jaguar. He, now, Nathan has always loved Italian and mm-hmm. currently in heated storage. I noticed that, yes. Mm-hmm. He has a 75 Alpha Spider 2000 Veloce, mm-hmm. a 1979 Alpha Romeo Alfetta Sprint Veloce, <laughs> and a 1985 <laughs> Alpha GTV. Oh, no. Italian music. Apparently, yeah. Now, at his house, he's got a 2008 Tundra, a 2012 Prius, and a 2016 Acura MDX. And he says, so... When he goes out to his driveway, he's got the best driveway options for six and eight cylinders. He's got everything. He says uh, something about the MDX. He said it's you know underappreciated, and we called it a niche SUV. I only call it that because of sales. Agreed. We actually are big it's fans. If you watch our SUV. fast blast of it, we yeah. actually think it's a great one. So it's, it's niche because most people don't think Acura. Acura is almost a niche brand, honestly. Almost. Like, just, you just, just don't by think of, of them sales. Most of the time. Yeah, even though sure. we Absolutely. Yeah. know them, we love them. 
All right. So Nathan says in the past he's flipped many police cars. He doesn't give us a number, though. Now, not now. by the way, this is not flipped like I put an air cannon on the bottom and I did a chase scene from <laughs> Blues Brothers. Not that kind of flip. We didn't go cow tipping with police I, cars. I, I bought an old police car. I did some stuff to it. I sold said police car, and I actually made money, which I, I honestly didn't know that there was a make money equation there. I knew you could buy them cheap. Well, he, he makes says, money on them. He says he goes to frequent auctions and he's owned Crown Vicks, Dodge Chargers, etc. Last summer, he sold his last fun beater, which is a 2014 Dodge Charger police interceptor model. There's only a million of those. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I love the car. It was, it was half white and half black and limo tinted windows. Now, his wife hated the two tone and he sold it to make a $3,000 profit. He sold it for $7,700. Mm. 2014 Hemi with 95,000 miles. He bought it for 4,000, obviously, did an intake, put the back door handles on, and sold it for three grand that, more. I, I honestly didn't know this money to be made. I really didn't. And, and honestly, that also, means, that also means that Nathan is that guy <laughs> that you're driving along on the freeway and everybody slows down because there's a cop up there, there's a cop up there. And then you get nearby and you're like, you're not a cop. Have you seen the guys on the bikes that do it with the old Kawasaki's and they buy one at police yes. auction and then they buy the white helmet and they put leather jacket on mm-hmm. and, and then you think, oh, did uh, There was an old Charger on I-80 the other day, okay? And it was funny because I could tell by a couple of things that it was older model and no light bar. And I was like... That's an old police auction, former police car. Totally. So I drove normally, and everyone around him, he was creating this this roadblock. And I went by him, and he kind of looked over at me, and I was like, yeah, because I know you're not going to bother me. <laughs> this is you all going to be fine until one day one of us gets actually pulled over, and the cop will walk up to the window, and we'll say, so did you get that at police auction? <laughs> I guess you're a real cop, aren't you? Yeah. Hmm. Now, Nathan has owned many, many cars in the past. He owns a landscaping company and a general contracting company. So okay. mainly the cars that have been in his past have been work fleets, F-250s, Chrysler minivans, that kind of stuff. Not a lot of fun stuff besides yeah, yeah. the alphas that are in heated storage. Did you get that. that part? My question, actually, he doesn't mention it here, but Nathan, do all of those run? And if so, how much do you drive them? That's a good question. Because that's a lot of cars yep. that are sitting. Yeah. And I hope that they run. And there's nothing worse than sitting in a heated garage and they don't actually run, but they look pretty. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's you're mm-hmm. essentially now just storing your art. But I hope that you drive them. I don't know. Which, you know, you should do. Uh, yeah, but but at least at that point. But now you got to drain all the fluids out of them and hang on a wall in your house. If it's going to be art, let's make it art. Okay. Otherwise, sitting in a heated garage and doesn't run. It's like your art sitting in storage. I mean, on one hand, they're alphas, so probably they're not running, and they are just Possibly sitting not. Art. On yeah. the other hand, they could run, and he might take them out in the summer. Who knows? Yeah, that's a lot of cars to try to drive. Well, this all brings him to his question. Mm-hmm. Nathan says he needs a Charger Hemi replacement. <laughs> okay. Being a stay-at-home dad, he says his girls love the cop cars. That's very funny. Well, of course funny. they That's did. very, very funny. bombed around Wisconsin freaking like, people out. Looking like the police, yeah. Last year, he bought the Prius in cash, and he's got another 10K in cash if needed. Okay. So he gives me a Paul limiter of $22,000 total, and he says he'll add the tax title and license a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But his wife loved the Hemi Power. I mean, who doesn't love Hemi yeah, Power? for sure. He needs four seats, and it says his wife can drive stick, but he's okay with an auto if okay. necessary. So we're t- but, but I keep coming back to Charger Hemi, former police car. Mm-hmm. We need big, powerful. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, this is really the requirement, and has oh, yes. to have four seats. And I also feel like this is a discussion of four doors, four seats. I mean, he, he's looking at the Cadillac CTSV Coupe, which means not four doors, but yes, four seats. But I still think we're replacing that charger. This is a big car we're getting. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this. I've got some good suggestions. I've got three suggestions for you, Nathan, and a fourth super duper wild card that's way oh, out good. there. I like it. Good. It's more food for thought than anything, to okay. be honest. Right. So what caught my eye in Nathan's email is that he doesn't mind working on cars himself. Saw that. Yeah. 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 Now, Cadillac CTSV coupes are at the top of his list. He says the decent manuals are going for thirty thousand. The autos are twenty two thousand, high miles. But his mechanic buddy, he says, don't be afraid of the high mileage if the service is on point. Mm-hmm. And he's skeptical of low mileage cars. To yeah. be honest, cars that <laughs> haven't been driven. Yeah. So he's open to many options. No Kias, no Velosters. He needs a brand that his wife knows. Okay. She likes Toyota Lexus reliability. He likes the ISF. Again, back to Hemi Power, back to, mm-hmm. as you were saying, mm-hmm. four-door yeah, yeah, yeah. muscle, all right? Now, his wife would like to keep the Prius, so that's a bit of a budget hit, so maybe 15 all in if the Prius stays. 
It's got to be rear or all-wheel drive, 300 horsepower and up, coupe or four-door. Okay. So I'm jumping in with the obvious right now. All right, go there. And that is the Chevy SS. That is the obvious yes. sort of replacement. It's the obvious competitor to what you have. But can we do it for 22 to 25? This is the question mark. Yeah. I, I agree this is a question mark. But what you could do is maybe look at Pontiac G8s. I have it on my list for exactly that reason. I looked up the SS. They're starting about twenty eight grand and going up. Okay, okay. The G8s are below that. So the G8 is a really viable option. It's on my list for sure. Well, if I'm going to go Pontiac G8, I've got to say Pontiac GTO. Because those sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. in automatic are 8K. They're really cheap. You're absolutely right, yeah. Now, the big That's problem great. with them is they're two-door. You know, if your wife doesn't allow that for the girls or doesn't like that for the family. Well, they are then, big with four seats. Yeah. I mean, they're a good size two plus two. They are, actually yeah. are. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty good size. So I come back to Pontiac GTO. Like I said, manuals are like 11 to 15. Yeah. Automatics you can get for 8 to 10. You're right. Maybe 12. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Good ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have a GTO. I think it would be awesome. 400 horsepower to start, and it goes up from there, and the mods are easy. They run. Mm-hmm, Miles mm-hmm. are to not be afraid of on those cars. Just get one. I think that is your true solution, okay. honestly. That's good. But this wild card that I've been thinking about over here All right. good, got me good. thinking about your dad and how he likes the the English taste and he's had Jags. Okay. And that just sort of caught my eye. And I thought, well, what about the Jaguar XF Supercharged from 2007 to 2015? That's interesting. Now, the 08 and 09 cars had that 4.2 liter V8 in them, okay. supercharged okay. V8. The later cars went up to a 5 liter V8. Okay. okay. But I thought, well, these are cheap. And I went hunting. Many of them are under 15. Wow. You could have a supercharged Jaguar V8. Well done. For under 15. There's one big sticking point, though. Uh huh. You mentioned, Nathan, that you want something with a ZF transmission, which this car does have. Okay. Problem is, it's got the six speed, the ZF, multiple variants that went in Bentleys and Rolls Royces and Maseratis Mm -hmm. and Audis and BMWs. The problem with this particular ZF transmission is valve body fluid pressure loss. Okay. All right. If you have a problem with the valve body, it's going to throw <laughs> engine codes and it's going to be a problem. So you can get rebuild kits. You we, can- we found your car, but it doesn't really like driving. The other problem is <laughs> if the engine throws codes, the transmission won't like that either. Typically, yes. Which means you could buy a piece of art again. You could, yes. Yeah, another piece of art. So I'm thinking, I'm looking around. I found some for eight or nine grand. Really? Don't do those. Don't do those. I, I found some for 15. Mm, okay. But I'm also thinking, if you're going to do this, you can get it cheap enough. And I would recommend these cars to anybody but you, Nathan, because you're not afraid of high mileage. Mm. You have a mechanic mm. buddy, and you're not afraid to roll up your sleeves and dive in. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so if the thought of getting a cool supercharged Jaguar with, I mean, the highest mileage I found was 125,000. Most are lower than wow, that. Wow, interesting. Okay, all right. So if this is appealing to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool car. Very. And then just know going in that there's a potential ZF transmission problem. <laughs> Everybody has their gonna, IMS. Mm, That's really how it works out, yeah. Get, you know, harsh shifts, and if the fluid is gone, it causes premature wear and tear on your transmission. So there, there is that. Um, note to be aware of <laughs> that note <laughs> by the way asterisk goes here replacing just solenoids without rebuilding the valve body it could be around 60 or seventy thousand miles so just know that going okay. in all right you again this is why these cars are so cheap but again if you're not afraid bingo well cool we, we bought Jag. these ridiculous old sedans which have a litany of be aware of this problem on both of them, and mostly just driving them. I mean, I put 5,000 miles on my Phaeton right now, and it keeps throwing codes. But you know what? It runs, and it runs well. So you can roll the dice. Uh, well, these transmissions are powerful and bulletproof, and they're great if they're serviced properly. Okay, yeah, yeah. Your uh, Mitsubishi was serviced properly. That transmission was fine. The transmission was fine. The engine blew, but yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the transmission was fine. Yeah, just okay. A, just a thought. Nathan, this is funny. I really like this. Uh, you already brought up the Pontiac G8, and I like your GTO as well, Paul. I have both of those. I did think it's a little bit of a left turn, but the cop car thing brought me here because all of these old cop cars, as you know, Nathan, are very, very cheap. But you know what you could do? is a totally different flavor. Taurus SHO. Now, that's interesting. Now, it's not a V8, but it is all-wheel drive. It's got power, though. It is powerful. 
So you could get a Taurus SHO. Those are very inexpensive, and there's a lot of them out there. And you could get one that maybe wasn't even a cop car. I mean, it, it could have been, but it wasn't. You could, you know, you could like branch out. So that's an option there. I, I, where you're shopping, it's tough because I see all the power for all the cheap that is available from the old cop cars. I do get it. And, of course, you know, miles notwithstanding, those are typically very well taken care of, and that's why they keep running. I have a few others I want to run through. I so want you in a Chevy SS. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be right, but you need uh, five to ten grand more. I mean, they're twenty-eight and up, really. Aren't still? Yeah, they are. I mean, the, the manuals are going for thirty-five, forty, but the 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 automatics, the early automatics, are twenty-eight or so. So I did look it up. Well, he was looking at Cadillac CTSVs, and he said the the good ones are in the thirty thousand dollars range. Yes, if he's already looking there. Agreed. Yes, your budget's screwed, buddy. I agree. I agree. I also looked up the uh, the current. Or the just finished Cadillac ATSV because I actually think that's a fantastic chassis to drive and can have a lot of power in the V form. Those are also 28 and up. So we're still just out of reach. So I did have a couple others that I thought up. Okay. V8 goodness, totally different experience. Okay. Okay. You're a guy that doesn't mind maintenance. These are cars where the parts are out there and they are known commodities of what you need to work on. An E90 generation M3. It's got a good V8. Great car, yeah. looks good, nice interior. The 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 E ninety is the four door. I, I like highly it. Recommend I like it better it. than the E ninety two. Thoroughly enjoy it. It's great in manual or in auto. There, I think you would thoroughly enjoy it. It's actually got uh, uh, BMW's dual clutch in it. We like the manual, but it's good either way. So the E ninety M three is a great one. Similar vintage, C sixty three AMG Mercedes. Oh wow, that V eight is awesome. That car is really fun to drive. I've driven it on track. I've driven it on street. Are these they down are there? Out there, absolutely. In price, these yes. are down there. Bring tw- bring the mid twenty grand. Go buy one. Really? Yes, they're just out there. But both both of these are available in the mid twenties. So that's why I brought up both of those really good V eights. And then I have a wild card that is out there. Lots of them. They're newer than everything else I've talked about. They're available for twenty five grand and up. The Infinity Q fifty Red Sport. 400 horsepower Infiniti Q50 sedan. 25 grand or less? Yes. Well, no, like 25. 24, 25 is where they start. Okay. That's okay. so close to his 22, I thought, come on. And that is a car you're not going to see another one. It's interesting because they're still sold new mm-hmm. at this point. Yep. And they're expensive. They're like 50 grand. Mm-hmm. And to think you can get one that is just you know, half the price. Yes. Same car, same yes. engine, same power, same everything. I was trying to think of something out, just kind of out of the ordinary here for Nathan, very different than he's had, and that's why I thought up some of these. And there it was. I thought, you know what? I'm going to look up this Q50 to see what they're running. The Red Sports, low 20s. Well, you know, Nathan, your wife was saying she likes brands she recognizes and she mm-hmm. likes reliability. Yeah. Talking about Toyota Lexus, well, Nissan is also a very recognizable, reliable mm-hmm. brand. Yeah, true. And this is just simply Infinity, so that could be a selling point there yeah, too. possibly. It's interesting. Yeah, I was surprised to find them, and I just thought, I, when's the last time we even talked about that car at length, let alone recommended it? I think it could be right for Nathan. Interesting. Nathan, thanks for writing, and uh, hopefully, yeah, this will help you move on from cop cars, which is cool, but looking forward to a new experience for you. If you've got your own car debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website under the About tab. In the top right corner, there's a contact button, aggregates to the same place. And, you know, you're there looking at the pilgrimage trip. You're browsing. You're thinking, you're, no kitchen remodel this year. You're reading no all the cool remodel. articles that are on there now. We're doing t- at least yeah. two articles a week now. Reading the really articles. Cool. Yeah, and again, sure. thinking, no landscaping for the house this year. That <laughs> is on hold because year. I'm going to Germany and Belgium <laughs> with the guys. Whenever Paul and I are searching for cars, we always start with Auto Tempest. To find the best car for any budget, it's important to cast as wide a net as possible. Check all the places they might be hiding. And you used to have to search all the different car sites separately, but with Auto Tempest, you can now get them all in one place. Auto Tempest lets you enter your car search info one time, and then you can see results from all the top used car sites at once, plus a bunch of smaller ones you probably wouldn't have thought to check. Auto Tempest can help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Plus, with all these listings in one place with one search, it's a great comparison tool to shop around and find the best deal. So if you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or just looking to feed the disease because you want to look at cars again today, head over to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Go Muriyama in Japan is looking for a car for his wife, who at this point feels like all cars look the same. Mm-hmm. And I could point that right back at you know us guys who think women's shoes look all the same. We look at a pair of black shoes and like, 
don't you already have one of those? Yeah. Like, don't you have a pair of those somewhere in your closet already? Well, but see, I, I kind of feel this way about watches. And I know, I know I'm speaking sacrilege right now, <laughs> but I just, you're wearing I'm a watch. bristling. You're wearing, all I know is it's either a digital watch, like, you know, like an Apple style watch or not. And I'm pretty much done. Or the hands move and there's exactly. gears and springs. Exactly. So, and, so uh, it, it has to do with the thing. Where do you put your money? Where do you look at things? Where do you notice things? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so if it's off your radar, and that's where, where Joe's wife is. She's just, his comment is, she literally can't see the difference between his Cayenne SUV, in case you haven't followed along, and the typical four-door sedan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just all a sea of vehicles to her. Look, there's plenty of people on the planet that don't care about cars. Absolutely. And that is just fine. They're not listening to this podcast. They're but- not. <laughs> but Go is writing for help because he currently drives a Toyota Corolla, and the size of the Corolla is the max she could accept driving. Now, I don't know, I didn't get a sense of whether that Corolla is going away or go if you also have an additional car for yourself. I, that was a little bit unclear. I get the sense that he has the Cayenne and she has the Corolla. He's well, I guess he does have the Cayenne, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. something right. that they both will like more than the Corolla and might just possibly ignite a, huh, this is kind of cool, interest from his wife. I think I've got your car, Go, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way there. Okay, all right. He hopes that she can enjoy driving a car which she could feel excitement and make her realize that all cars are indeed not the same. They use all the same materials, aluminum, steel, leather, wood, plastics, but they are indeed not. He's thinking a Golf GT TSI or a GTI. He says yeah, that size yeah, yeah. is acceptable, should be able to feel the punch of the motor compared to the Corolla. Yeah, that establishes a fairly small size here, too. It does. Well, yeah. we're also talking about Japan. Absolutely, we are, yep. He will also drive her car when picking up their son from school once in a while and go shopping maybe for the weekend, something like that. And he personally feels she'd enjoy the GTI, and he would too. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Golf R. Yeah. Would that be a good yeah. choice? So his budget is about $20,000 U.S., but he's got plenty of choices in that budget range. Mm-hmm. So that is about 2.1 million yen at this exchange rate right okay. now. Right. Okay. So I love the GTI. I'm all about the GTI, yes. But I want you to consider the aspects of car ownership that appeal the most. Mm-hmm. Is it the car itself, or is it the looks? Is it the turbo engine? What is it about driving that she might consider fun? Because mm-hmm. her take on that will be completely different than the rest of us enthusiasts. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Something that appeals to her that you didn't see. Like, mm-hmm. well, I like that car because of the color or the tech. Sure. sure. Or Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. things that might not be on our radar or or our list of things. So I've got three for you to consider here, Go. Okay, good. And I'm starting with the Honda Fit. Okay, all right. Okay. It's also unclear if she drives a manual, but I'm going to hopefully say maybe she does. Okay. Okay, it comes either way at least, but yeah. It does come either way. And the cars that I've suggested also come both, both ways. But manual is one of those things that connect us to cars. It is that mechanical interaction that we love that makes driving fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it could be one of those things that gets her into appreciating it rather than just this is the go pedal. This is the stop pedal. And the world moves when I push on my right foot. The world stops when I push on my left foot. <laughs> she's she's two foot driving. I'd be very impressed. But I take your point. You, you know, left pedal. I, I'm with you. Know you I'm with you. But the, but there's there's two sides of this equation. On one level, because I, I totally agree with you. On one level, if she can drive a stick shift or be taught to drive a stick shift, that will connect her to whatever she's driving more. As long as she's willing to go over that hump. Because true. the flip side true. of it is, you've given her more of a chore now. This is I'm true. not just commuting. I have to work harder at it. That's not okay. <laughs> so you're going to have to walk that line carefully. Go. I love the idea, but it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. I'm intrigued by the fit because of its size for Japan and because it is a lot of fun to drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a consideration to be had because you've got the big Cayenne. What about a Toyota 86? Automatic or manual. Oh, interesting. What about it? Yeah. Would having a true sports car spark her interest and desire? Mm. Would having a low-slung sports car to dart through traffic or take on a mountain road or Mm -hmm. do the getaway? Because I bet you you could have your family in that car. I bet you you could. Interesting. It's maybe a bit of a wild card. I'm just wondering. You you can be the one to determine that. But Mm -hmm. would a a true sports car – you've got the family car, Go. You've got the Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, an 86 is something you would definitely look forward to driving. But would she look forward to it because that slinky, beautiful shape? Okay. Just wondering like if that, that would spark an idea. That's good. That's good. But the car that I think you should most consider. Uh-oh. Okay. I looked them up new on the website in Japan. All right. Okay. 
brand new, they're 3.8 million yen. That's uh, above our budget. So it yes. kind of blew your budget a little bit. You did a little bit. By like a million yen. But anyway. <laughs> by yeah. a million yen. <laughs> That's just fun to say. <laughs> I blew it out by a million. It is the Fiat Bart 595 Competizione in Giallo mm. Modena with the five speed. Mm. Brand new. This is a sweet looking car. That bright Giallo, that bright yellow. Hmm. Oh. The reason I suggest this is because of the phenomenon that Todd and I first encountered when we drove the Fiat 500 for the very first time. Okay. And that was the seating height. Excellent point. The H point is what it's called. It's your hip point in the car, which directly corresponds to your eye level Mm -hmm. in the car. Mm -hmm. It's a small car. It could be fantastic for her. Automatic, Mm -hmm. manual. I say the Abarth, so, you know, you're getting the five-speed, but... Well, it but, sounds great. It's fast. It's it's got such personality. You can get the Abarth in automatic, and you could also get used ones. You can, and that's why I suggest this yeah. car because you can get used ones, but mm-hmm. new on the website, it, it you know they made it look really delicious and tempting, and it looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. But this Abarth has well, the five hundred has this higher hip point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which means you're now looking other drivers directly in the eye as if you were driving a real car, a which you car. are, a bigger car, but yeah. a larger eye level, mm-hmm. which means yeah. you look around to the sea of other cars and you feel like you're on the same plane, the same mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. That was a purpose choice yes. when they released that car. Yeah. Yes. Todd and I didn't realize that and we kind of made fun of, well, this drives like a UPS truck. I'm sitting up high. And then as soon as you adopt this new mindset and then you discover the car's personality, especially with the Abarth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it comes to life. And so I'm wondering if other cars in your life have been dead and soulless and personalityless. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if something like this in a beautiful, bright color would suddenly spark an interest. Interesting. It's my question back to you. Go. Okay. I like it. I like it. That's great stuff. Go. I've got a few for you here real quick. And, and I have to ask a question. Of course you can't answer back, but I'm thinking aloud here. Your wife doesn't notice the difference between one car and another. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me if she t- saw a civic type R, <laughs> That's just the same as everything else. I mean, are we? Can we really go that far into a world where she just doesn't notice? Possibly. So, it just got me thinking Possibly. about cars that stand out, cars that don't look like everything. And before I go there, I do have to say, you've mentioned the GTI. It is the standard bearer of hatchbacks. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had a turbo. It sounds like. I think she would enjoy that. It's a nice place to be. It's got a turbo. There's nothing wrong with the GTI in this scenario. I think it is very solid. I have two others, though, that I like because they have a little bit of that doesn't look like everything else. And it also gives your wife a totally different experience. One of them is get her a WRX. She's had Corollas. She's had Corollas. Get her a WRX in a color because now it's all-wheel drive. It's got a very different feel. So you've added all-wheel drive, so different drive wheels. Okay? You've added drive wheels, which she hasn't experienced, and you've added turbo. Wow. I think that is going to change the sensation in the car. Now, it's not the nicest interior ever. The GTI's got a better interior. If you could go golf R, then you merge the worlds. But I do wonder. It's got just a different feel. I was just thinking, her coming out of a Corolla, it's different enough. And because it's all-wheel drive, it's got a different driving sensation too. So I wonder about that one. And then the other one I thought of, because it is totally different. It has the the H-point thing. You were talking about the Fiat 500. Okay. But... You don't tell us how much she drives. I get the sense she doesn't drive a ton. Okay. BMW i3. The electric little BMW. It's rear-wheel drive. She hasn't had that. Yeah. It looks like nothing else on the road, so it does stand out. That's a car you can identify as different for some reason. Hmm. It has a very unique interior. It's electric. As long as you can get by with 100 miles a day, you're fine. Now, I don't know your charging infrastructure, but I don't right. get the sense that this is a car that she she just drives all the time. I don't get that sense. We don't know her driving habits. That's true. Okay. You have the Cayenne if you're doing big family road trips. But here is the BMW i3. That just stands out. It does. And rear-wheel drive dynamics, electric. It's a totally different experience. And I think that would separate her from any driving experience she's had to this point. And you've created an electric commuter. Done. 
Interesting. Go happy shopping. Yes. I'm really excited to actually hear from you and see what you guys bought and if there is something that sparks your interest or if none of these do. But by listening to this, it gives you some idea and you go over and you think, all right, we got her something different and she loves some aspect. I'd like to know, A, what you bought and B, what is the aspect of driving that she's discovered? Yeah. If that happens. Agreed. We'd love that. So. Hemi for Nathan's wife, or something equivalent, <laughs> and something electric for Go's wife. Right? Is that <laughs> what we're saying? The spectrum. Welcome to the podcast. We love anything that enables our automotive obsession, also known as the car disease, which is why we're such big fans of Haggerty Drivers Club. For just $45 a year, that's less than $4 a month, you get not only six issues of their fantastic Haggerty magazine, but you also get roadside service with guaranteed flatbed towing invites to members-only events, and valuable discounts on things like tires, vehicle transport, racing school, and more. It's the ultimate membership experience for people who love cars. Check it out for yourself and join the Haggerty Drivers Club at haggerty.com slash everydaydriver. All right, we got to jump to questions. And there's a question that Lucas Rose has asked for a few times now on Facebook okay. right. that I Good. don't want to ignore any longer. Okay, And I, I haven't been ignoring it. We just haven't gotten to it yeah, yet. And that sure. is... He's asking our thoughts on the Honda S660, which is a oh, K yeah. car in Japan. Yeah, yeah. My thoughts are this. It's tough to make beautiful lines on a small car, a small mm-hmm. object. And Honda has done a great job on that S660. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it looks fantastic. It's aggressive, but it's sensual in a weird way, too. If you don't know what this car looks like, look up the S660 Honda little tiny thing. But again, it's tough to make a, a beautiful, sh- compelling shape on such a small object. It's easy to have dramatic long lines on a large, say, Mercedes S-Class. That's easy. That almost falls to hand. <laughs> but to make a line that wraps and, and makes it really compelling and interesting and still flows on a small car, very difficult. I think Honda has done that. Very cool. These are my very thoughts. Cool. I have a ridiculous question I have to answer. It's completely absurd. Brian wrote in on Facebook and said he had a question for me, not you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because I have the crazy hair. He said, hang on. Many of us right now, because we're staying at home, we can't get our hair cut. How on earth, Todd, do you deal with crazy hair? (laughs) Now, Brian, here's the thing I suspect. I suspect your hair hasn't gotten all that crazy. (laughs) I suspect it's crazier than you like. But if I were to meet you right now, I'd be like, what's wrong with your hair? Uh, Here's a little known fact. Before I had crazy hair, I had very short hair. And I was obsessed with it being like perfect. You were? I was obsessed with it. Like, there was nothing out of it. was perfect. Did you use hairspray? I didn't go that far. But I was obsessed <laughs> with it being perfect, okay? And then I grew my hair out, and I accepted the fact that it's never going to look the same twice. And I'm okay, okay with it. It's just, you just embrace it. You're just like, this is me. It, it's separate. <laughs> and, and, and now, it's, here's the thing. I've had crazy hair for long enough now that I think my wife would leave me if I didn't have it. No, that's not true. But she actually has said to me that if I ever cut my hair, I just have to shave my head. I'm just going to go all the way the other way. Just, really? We're going we're gonna to swing the pendulum all the way the other way. Holy cow. But the thing that's funny is now I know it's never going to look really good. But at the same time, that is part of my identity. That's how I look. I just have sure. crazy hair. So you just kind of embrace the fact that, you know what? This is how I look right now, and we're moving on. <laughs> hey, on the bright side, I've got very low shampoo bills. You do. Here, so you do. Yes, that's like fair. like one bottle for a year and a half. Like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and I use it every day, too. All right. A question from Mystic Negro, who is watching the Smoking Tires giddily happy, happy review of the Maserati mm. Levante. Yeah, we've seen that. It's a fun one. This made him think of my near physical hatred of that car. I don't know that it's near physical. I think it is. A, yeah. If you've. I know you haven't had this experience, but if you are walking along and you actually see one in the wild and you're with Paul, he's restraining himself from damaging the car. There is hatred here. I'm trying to roll a trebuchet over to the car to hook it up and like, <laughs> let's see how, how far this will fly. You got to thinking, what is the best car that we hate? Now, he doesn't fully like 911s. And he can appreciate that they're just the best sports car made, you know, the range made today. Yeah. But he actively doesn't want one, which is fine. Okay. So are there, is there a car that is perfect on paper that you just can't? Mm. For me, because it's paper and because the cars that are on paper that, you know, we can't really all drive or experience all the time, it's Ferrari. Hmm. Interesting. I, I love the old Ferraris. They're sensuous. They're yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. 
right up to about you know early 2000s is where the it stops for me interesting okay beyond right. that the shapes are still sensual but what got me was the brand was the arrogance of the brand hmm. and i just thought i i can't relate that's why i love porsche so much because it was such an accessible sports car interesting that was such high performance now they are expensive but they didn't start that way yeah 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 ferraris have always had their noses in the air and you can't huh. afford this but but yet we'll make teddy bears and plush dolls and shot glasses and bed sheets and here's a roller coaster with our name on it mm-hmm. well that's brand illusion i mean porsche has at least a design house that is porsche branded object designed not just to put the brand logo on it they are yeah. actually designed for a purpose to be a, a different kind of a higher end sort of thing. It's not just swag with the logo. It's not just yeah, merch. I get it. Yeah. And so well, I think ah, Ferrari, this high end aspirational thing is selling me shot glasses. And that is an interesting dichotomy because the other thing that we have heard and seen and talked to owners about is there are certain Ferraris that unless you have a certain number of Ferraris in your garage – and you are known to the company. Not like you bought five old beat-down Ferraris. Like you have a certain number of new Ferraris you bought from Ferrari directly at MSRP or above, Mm -hmm. and the company knows your name on a sheet of paper. There are certain Ferraris that you can't even get the dealer to acknowledge that it's being made, let alone you buy one. You can go over to McLaren, and they will happily sell you whatever you want. And I do find it fascinating that that the same brand does that and then does accessibility on the extreme other end. Mm -hmm. To the point, I forget what the actual stat was. I'm going to get a little wrong. But I believe in 2019, the Ferrari world in Dubai was the most successful theme park in the world. You want a little piece of Ferrari in your life. Everybody wants this little chunk of Ferrari, whatever that is. They've stopped giving tours because people walk through and steal a nut or a bolt that has the Prancing Horse logo on it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Interesting. Interesting. I I like Ferrari on paper. I love the numbers. Mm-hmm. I love the performance. Mm-hmm. I love looking at them. But then it, I, I feel like to own them, I'd be giving them my money, and they they don't really appreciate me. Huh. It doesn't feel like they appreciate me okay. as a buyer. I'm not okay. saying me. I, I don't know that I, I can ever afford a Ferrari I take in my life. Yes, but yes. I, do I want to? Sure. Who doesn't want a Ferrari, right? But it's just that. I see where you're going. And yeah. among the general public, if you see a hot car and it's red, what is it? Yeah. A Ferrari. Yeah. You know, it's for sure. No, that's actually a obscure whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Know that because anyway, it's just the association with that <laughs> brand is very strange to me. Fascinating. Ted Adam Green asked on Facebook. I like this. He said, if two people were going to take a road trip across country, across the U.S., big America road trip, what is he? What do we think is best? An RV, a Jeep Wrangler, a big, large sedan of some kind, a minivan or something like a Corvette Grand Sport? Mm. Now, Ted, my question back to you is, what kind of road trip? Because if this is all major interstates, lots of straight lines. Okay, okay. You want a big sedan or possibly a big GT car. Okay, okay. I mean, I I keep thinking about the gas mileage is terrible. I keep thinking about the Phaeton. I I genuinely, that car is so awesome on the freeway. I'd like to do a cross-country road trip because it's just asking for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so if you were going to do big, long highways, I would say that. However, if you're going to be a person that gets off the highway a lot and follows the squiggly road, you're hard pressed to beat a Corvette. Mm. Sure. Tons of space sure. in the back for gear for two people. And if you are on a highway, just going straight line, you get 30 miles to the gallon. That's twice what the Phaeton gets, by the way. You can get 30 miles to the gallon. And then if there's a squiggly road you want to follow, the car will be brilliant. Sure. I really think that that – now, there are other cars like the Jaguar F-Type works in this. Anything with a long nose and a nice-sized hatchback yeah, yeah. works. The, the Grand Sport, Corvette Grand Sport is way up there because they've, they've always done that really well. But anything like that would, would split the worlds if you're going to get off the main roads. There's a question on here that caught my eye. We could debate this for a long time, but I want to oh. oh. dive in just a little bit and touch on this. And that's from Gary the Cycling Nerd who asks if we feel like driving culture and the way society treats driving has changed in our lifetimes. I love this question. It's really good, actually. He hears these crazy stories of cannonball and cannonball runs and street racing from the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, and he says it feels like society took speeding less seriously. Sort of how adults, he says, describe living in a post-9-11 world has car culture become less renegade. 
I guess, you know, kids growing up in the sixties and just the proliferation of safety technology, the proliferation of all that kind of stuff and the inventions has ultimately been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Seatbelts starting out with seatbelts, ABS. Yeah. Airbags. All of that go. stuff yeah, yeah. that has progressed throughout the years has changed certainly car design and car engineering. Mm-hmm. The influx of governmental regulations worldwide from yeah, all governments, yeah. you know, whether it's crash test standards, whether it's bumper height laws, whatever that is, that's certainly changed car design. But I, I sense what you're getting at, and that is no longer just kids, a bunch of them riding around in the back of a pickup truck yelling and screaming, which <laughs> that today is, that is done, yes. would be frowned upon. Yes. But almost in any aspect of culture, it's changed throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Let's take smoking, for example. And it's a great one. It's a great one. There was a time in this country when doctors were recommending to Olympic athletes, especially swimmers, to have a cigarette before they ran their race to open up their lungs. I can't believe that. Think think about that versus where we are now. Talk about something changing in the perception of culture. But keep going. Coming back to cars, I feel you're I feel you're right. There is something that has kind of changed as far as regulations and safety equipment coming into play to make mm-hmm. you think this is this is a big serious deal. But also think about the influx of tech and phones yeah, yeah. and the distractions that we allow in our lives. Mm-hmm. I still firmly stand on this. I will die on this hill. And that is if we took those distractions out of our lives mm-hmm. and took less tech in cars, we'd probably pay more attention to the road itself and to better. driving itself. Of course we would. Yeah, I agree. So I think that has a big part to play. There's so much tech in new cars. There's so much information to look at. There's so many mm-hmm. fun little gadgets and You're right. you yeah, know yeah. icons and digital glowing anything that mm-hmm. is distracting to my eye. Mm-hmm. So it takes more concentration to just look at the road and drive. Mm-hmm. Which is why now we're relying on the car to drive for us. Yes. It's, it's pushing us to that far. far. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Commute times have gotten longer. Yes. Traffic has increased. Yeah. And that's why it's so refreshing and fun to drive a car that has a shifter and a steering wheel. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. You're yeah, kind of done. done. We're done yeah. there. Yeah. Everything this else is works. tertiary at that point. You're right. That's great. That's and great. so you're just looking at driving and you start to notice new things. You're looking around because you're looking out the window going, well, I never noticed that building there before. Gary, I have a couple other thoughts on this. This is a great question. We could. It's almost a topic Tuesday. I do think there's been a shift in our lifetime. As there have been in lots of things. We're already talking about other perceptions that have shifted. And I think, and we talked about this before, the smartphone allows kids to sit at the dinner table and text how much they hate their parents and how hard their day has been without ever leaving the dinner table. Run back 15 years even, not even that far. If you wanted to complain about your parents and have them not know, you had to leave the house. Because if you were on the phone upstairs, they could hear you. Yeah, so you right. had to leave the house. So, right. so there was a rite of passage thing that happened for a long time pre-smartphone where if you wanted to go be with your friends and feel like you were having community with your friends and away from your parents, you couldn't do it through your thumbs at the dinner table. You had to leave the house, and that required a car. So that's changed in our lifetime. The other thing that's shifted is this. Because of climate change discussions and because of how big cities have gotten, there has been a shift in a portion of culture that now looks as a car as something they want to avoid. Hmm. That's never happened in the U.S. before. The U.S. has always been a car-crazy culture. In the last probably 20 years, there has certainly been a segment of the populace. Some of you are listening on a New York subway public transit right now. Sure, okay? sure. There's no reason for you to have a car. Sure. A car yeah. is a yeah. it's an obligation. You may love cars. It's and a device. This podcast, it's but it is device. an obligation in your life that you don't want because you don't use it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So urbanization and these kind of things have changed a segment of the population where the car isn't is not only something they're not intrigued by, it would be a burden. Yeah. That is a yeah. new shift as well. So all these things are shifting. What I find interesting though is with the internet, what it's allowed us all is to find our niche. And we can dig into our niche. So whatever you're excited about, you can be very excited about. And that applies to cars. So I am feeling like there used to be a kind of general car culture. Mm -hmm. And you still had people that are obsessed, but there was a general car culture. I feel like the general car culture has receded. But those of us that love cars, we've dug in. I think you've nailed it. The people who discover driving and the pleasures of driving, it's even more intense for them. And so I think... Car manufacturers are going to need to recognize this in their product offerings, Mm -hmm. which is why I keep talking about 
the manual stick shift six cylinder whatever roadster car on this end of the yeah, product yeah, yeah. portfolio yeah yeah and the autonomous box on the other end of the portfolio and everything in between welcome to bmw seriously yeah. this is what this is why i keep making the joke because mm-hmm. the people who find the love of driving it's such an intense feeling even yeah. more so than it used to be You're selling a box or a, or a, yeah. it, 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 we have two options here at bmw box or roadster which person are you yes exactly yeah. and then we have the m versions of everything in between two <laughs> what is got the, the standard versions what does the m box do? does it have faster internet what does the oh. m version of the box do mm, the m box the the, P, the 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 m engineers that we met at the latest bmw launch right now are crying but anyway yeah, yeah the wi-fi box is bigger i guess yeah. the, the, the wi-fi is the wi-fi 6g in the m box it's super fast. 6G. Yeah. We don't even know what happens. Do I want tech to go away? No. You've heard the joke, right? About FedEx says, okay, that'll be there in three to five days. Mm-hmm. UPS says two-day delivery. And Amazon says, I'm in your bathroom. <laughs> Amazon puts it in my hand before I order it. You know, yeah. you've, you've heard the it's joke. It's scary, yes. I love that part of tech. I love the mm-hmm. internet. I love what tech has done for cars and manufacturing and all that kind of stuff. I love it, what it will continue to do for additive manufacturing, for lightweighting cars and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's recognizable in our lifetimes, for sure, and it's recognizable in our driving careers. But that's why Todd and I do what we do, is because the people who discover the love of driving, it's a fierce feeling. It's really cool. Matt Guerrera asked a great question. A Track Daily Crush. I haven't done one of these in a while, but I love this one. Fictional movie cars. Track Daily Crush. Do you see this? Oh, yes. Great. Optimus Prime. The Blade Runner car, the Blade Runner spinner that they originally drove, the flying car. Yeah. And Batman's Tumblr. Oh, track daily crush. Now <laughs> I'm going to crush Optimus Prime because you don't really Are drive you? him. He, yeah. he drives himself. And also, here's the other thing. If you crush Optimus Prime, you've accidentally created the plot line for Michael Bay to do yet another Transformers movie where Optimus F- Prime fights True. back from the because because, of course, the uh, the crusher will be sentient as well. So, yes, so it'll, it will. be, it'll be a battle. Well, the, the last thing we do need to do is give Michael Bay another opportunity to make another one of those films. Clearly. Yeah, that, that's, that's key. So Optimus Prime gets crushed. If you're going to commute, you commute in the Blade Runner spinner. Totally. You're flying to your location and you'll land and let's get that done. And also, I can think of a few things simultaneously funnier and more amazing than tracking Batman's Tumblr. I can't think of a better track car. Well, I'm going to put him in the wall, and you're dead. I'm seriously going to keep going here. You're, you're on this. You're on the street course. You go off and do the Raptor course. You come back and do the Rally Cross course. You're back on the street course, and then you drive home. Track car. And hey, I'm behind. Well, I'll just hit the rocket engine. Seriously. Boom, and I win again. A, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I would so love to drive that thing. All right. Well, Parmalat has still not forgiven me for calling his Ridgeline the El Camino of the modern era. That's pretty good. I should use that sometime. I think it's. I think it's apropos. The problem it's funny. is funny. It's a little funny. We'll it's have to say hat. it in, in our Ridgeline uh, fast blast because we have one right now. The problem with it is you offend everybody with that, which is also kind of what's great because the people that really like the El Camino are like, "That's nothing like an El Camino," and sure. the people that really like their Ridgeline are like, "This is nothing like an El Camino." But I, I see where you've gone. I think it's a great. I joke. do. I still think it's funny. Now he says maybe that we're spending time in one. You'll understand the magic. And I do. Yeah, I cool. liked it from the beginning. As a matter of fact, I like the original Ridgeline better from a stylistic standpoint. So I'm on the way over here. They're cool. Than I do now. Yeah. Because it was a different take on trucks, but it mm-hmm. never sold because it never had the seam between the cab and the bed. This is why Honda changed it dramatically. It's crazy. Instead of a unibody, a fresh looking truck. And I thought... Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's a cool different take. But truck Way buyers to go, Honda. Yeah, didn't want to do that. That's and so interesting. Didn't sell. Yeah. We'll get to the review. But I, I think it's interesting as far as mm-hmm. the needs that you have that you need to get out of a truck. You don't need an F-150 or bigger. It'll Most do people the don't. same Most needs that you right. can get yeah, done. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. need to haul or put in the bed or tow, it'll be fine, generally speaking. Yeah. It's because you just want the bigger thing yeah, that you buy sure. the bigger trucks. Yeah. So they can make another F-150 this minute and last minute and the minute to come. Well, the you know, he says, if, if the Ridgeline were the anchor of our garage, if my garage, what else would I have? Another Cayman or GT4 or an yeah. or, Sure. Sure. Yeah, it'd be fine. Perfect fine. utility vehicle. I love it. Damn it, Patton says, did we know that on Discord, Discord, by the way, is a great uh, chat room that exists for fans of this show that if you're, if you're a patron, you can be on Discord. It's actually really cool. It has a whole life of its own. I love it. On Discord, they have started a Forza group. For everyday so cool. driver fans, and they are driving and racing each other on Forza, and they've asked that we would join them. I would love to, except I don't have an Xbox, so I don't have Forza. Yeah, I don't have an Xbox I'm either. I'm a PlayStation guy, so I can't yeah. join you there, unfortunately. We need to start like a an Xbox sharing platform. You know how everything else is shared. <laughs> Can I just like 
share an Xbox for They're not that expensive. I just I guess never not. got into an Xbox, yeah. I guess not. J.R. Roloff asks, what modern car best captures the spirit of the original Datsun 240Z? Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking about this for a while, and okay. the Z car was accessible for the most part. Mm-hmm. It was sensual. It gave you a feeling of, I want to go drive. I want to go do things differently with my life and with my driving. It kind of okay. gave that to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a car that attracted you because, hey, what a great new commuter car thought fair, entered your mind. Fair, fair, yeah. It's not what it did. It it gave you aspirational feelings. Mm-hmm. And so I, I come back to that and I think, what cars now give you aspirational feelings of, mm-hmm. I just want to be driving on the best road all by myself and extracting the joy of driving and that kind of thing. So what cars are they? Well, they, they can't just be the hypercars because that was never what the 240Z was intended to be. True, it was yeah, intended yeah. to be fairly accessible from it a price like standpoint. It was like the cheap E-type. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, as a matter of fact. So I've been noodling the new Z4. I've been thinking about this. It just It gave me a feeling of, it doesn't matter that this is the best car or not the best car. It just... It's fast, it's comfortable, it's stylish, it's modern, it's kind of fun. Same with the Supra. The Miata RF with the upgraded engine is in the same category for me. It's just, I just want to go drive. That car just makes me want to get in it. Mm. Porsche Boxers and Caymans are the same way. I just want to get in that thing and go drive. I I can commute, I can do yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. in it that I need to do for my life. But the the cars that give you a different feeling that you own because... You just want to drive? That's what these cars do for me. I wonder if the 86 is the answer here. The modern 240. Because I mean, of price, you think? Because of price, because of architecture. I mean, it is a it is Possibly. a small engine, front engine, rear drive, simple sports car that is on the bottom end of that manufacturer's lineup, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. wish that Nissan would – use your Datsun name again. I wish Nissan would come out with a direct 86 fighter because I think that the Z car <laughs> – We're waiting for anything at this point. Whole separate problem. Yeah. Yes, but but you could theoretically come out with a new Datsun whatever and aim it right at the 86, and that would allow the Z car to go chase the Super. Right now, it's in the middle between both. Wouldn't that be interesting? I Yes, it would. Hey, Nissan, if you're listening, we'll take whatever. <laughs> we'll take anything with a front engine and a manual transmission and a rear-wheel drive and – Go simple. Call it Let's whatever. It. Yeah. We don't care at this point. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the successor to anything. It could just be, hey, here's it a sports car. Car, yes. It's powered by a two-cylinder engine, and we don't care. New Nissan car, that. but man, is it fun. Petrolhead80 asked me a design question here. Favorite decade okay. in terms of car design? Mm, okay. Thought about this one, too. I was waffling between 50s and 60s. Okay. But I'm I thinking about going 50s just because it felt so free. Mm-hmm. It was post-war, and it felt like everything was on the table. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah, the yeah. 50s, not only from the American manufacturers, but from all of the Italian manufacturers yeah, that just came yeah. up with sensuous, beautiful things that turned into the 60s cool, powerful version of whatever yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. The 50s just felt free. They were limited by manufacturing capability, but it just felt, ah, anything goes. And everybody was thinking airplanes. Yeah. They were coming out of the war. Yeah. They were thinking airplanes. They were thinking airplane shapes. It's fascinating the stuff that came totally. out of that era. Well, the first Corvette, yeah, just thinking airplanes yeah. and rockets Absolutely. and yep. cool, fast, fun stuff. It, yeah, that, that decade is, is my favorite. Very 50s. cool. Very cool. Thank you guys for joining us as always. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, it matters. I know we have a lot of rating and reviews already. You might have thought, no, nah, they're good. But it is that regular interaction with you guys that actually keeps this as a top 10 automotive podcast. We really appreciate it. The same matters for Amazon, IMDb, anywhere you can rate this stuff helps other people find it. We appreciate it. And thanks for being with us as always. Yep, for sure. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. 